Would you open God's precious holy word to Galatians chapter 4? We'll finish the chapter today. I simply call this passage the illustration. Paul the Apostle has appealed to the Galatians who have been bewitched by Judaizers who have come in after the Apostle Paul seeking to enslave, in a sense, the Gentile believers, trying to convince them that they must they must come under the works of the law before they can be saved. They must remain under the works of the law in order to remain saved. It's a false gospel that has plagued the church ever since the earliest days of the church. It, of course, started with those who are called Judaizers because they just couldn't turn loose of the law of Moses. We have to do these things. We can't be saved. We can't stay saved. Well, bring that forward 2,000 years. The church still struggles with those who bring forward a gospel that involves enslavement, bondage, works. You have to do something before you can be saved. You have to keep doing something if you're going to stay saved. Paul, in the strongest language, condemns that false gospel. There's only one gospel. You probably know it by now. It is simply this. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. Christ did it all for us. We can't prepare ourselves. We can't work ourselves up to being saved. And we can't work ourselves into staying saved. Now, the doctrine of salvation, of course, involves many things. But the basis and the foundation of it is faith in Christ. Christ even assumes the responsibility of giving us the Holy Spirit, causing us to be born again by the power of God, not by the power of man. And then walking us through life and growing us in the faith. So that in our sanctification, we become stronger and stronger in our life and work for Christ. And then, of course, comes the glorification. Well, the Apostle Paul has appealed to them in Scripture. He has appealed to them by logic. He has appealed to them emotionally, taking the place of a mother, having birthed children. And now... He does what just about every preacher does when he's exhausted everything else. He falls back on an illustration. So this is Paul's illustration. But the beautiful thing is an illustration to me, this is me. It's, it's worthless unless it's an illustration from the scriptures. You know, who, who, 
who cares about what I've done and, and, and what's happened in my life? <laughs> Maybe my mama, but uh, she'd be the only one interested in hearing it, I guess. Even Pat don't want to hear it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm safe as long as we're socially distanced. But I'm in trouble if she ever closes that distance. So Paul goes back to this powerful illustration that comes right from Scripture. Now remember, the issue is simple. Law, which is works, or grace, which is faith. Law, which is certain death, or grace, which is eternal life. Law, meaning that I'm in bondage and enslaved, or grace, meaning that I've been set free. That's the issue. The issue is, do I stand as much in what I do as what Christ has done for me? Or do I simply stand in Christ and upon Christ? The issue is simple. So here, to me, is a simple illustration that Paul uses drawing from the Old Testament that the, legal, the legalists and the Judaizers, of course, try to appeal to, but they do it out of its context. First of all, the illustration involves two sons and their mothers. Tell me, those wishing to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it has been written that Abraham had two sons, one of the slave woman and one of the free woman. In Genesis 15, God promised Abram, who became Abraham, he promised him a son. You will have a son. He is the son of promise. The covenant will be transferred to your son. The son of promise, the son of the covenant. All right. At that point in time, it was Abram and Sarai who later were Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abram was nearly 90 years old and his wife nearly 80. Time passes, they have no son. And so Abram goes before the Lord, listen, apparently I'm going to have to transfer this covenant to Eliezer, my steward. God said, no, you don't do it that way. It's going to be your son. So let's move on to the next chapter, Genesis 16. <laughs> Sarah has a big idea. You know, Abram, Abraham, we're living in a land that, and I have, I, have, I have my female servants. And did you know that if you had a child, if we had a child by one of my female servants, it would be the same thing as my child. Now, this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. Abraham kind of brightened up, you know. <laughs> Not really. He was a good man. 
until, <laughs> until he wasn't. <laughs> so she said, I want you to take Hagar, my Egyptian bond slave woman. And I want you to have a child by her and it'll be my child. Well, <laughs> it probably was later that day. I don't know. But anyway, she came with child by Abram. The child's name's Ishmael. So the bondwoman had Abraham's son. Abraham and Sarah figured they would work to do what God had promised them to do or to receive what God had promised them they would have. I can attain this myself. I'll figure it out myself. I will work. So here is a, a, a slave woman who has Abram's, Abraham's child, Ishmael. That was the son of the slave woman. You have to really enjoy the comedy in Scripture. So when Hagar becomes pregnant, she begins to feel a little uppity. Yes, I'm having a baby. I guess you're going to think that it's your baby, but it's really, we both know it's my baby. Then the baby is born. Oh, I had a son. Sarah gets tired of it. And honestly, this is what she says. You can read it in, in Genesis 16. She goes right up to Abraham and she says, this is all your fault. <laughs> you can read it. You've made all of us miserable. And the free woman said of the bondwoman, I cannot live with her and her son. Sarah then divinely by the miraculous power of God has her, as a 90-year-old woman, has, a, has her womb opened by the power of God. Abraham has a son, the son of promise, the son of the free woman, not the son of slaves, enslavement, bondage, but a son of freedom by the free woman. The argument then came from Sarah, the free woman, protecting her son, the freeborn son. Because the child birthed by human works, Ishmael, constantly, constantly was troubling making fun of, mocking his little brother, Isaac. Because works, law, slavery, 
grace, miracle birth, freedom, they cannot live together. It's one or the other. Sarah said, you have to send them away. God said to Abraham, she's right. So he sent the bondwoman away. All right, now, we know the background to the two sons and two mothers. This brings then the next illustrations, which would be two covenants and two Jerusalems. But indeed, the one of the slave woman has been born according to the flesh. Human works. I can figure out how to attain the blessings of the covenant. I can do it on my own. That's Ishmael. That's Hagar. But the one of the free, that's Isaac. Through the promise, which things are illustrated. Now I have the Greek word up here underlined. Unfortunately, too many times it is translated allegorized. But the word allegorumna, it means in its compound form that you're going to speak outwardly about something by comparison that is well known. It's not something that's hidden, it's something that's known. So, which things are illustrated? For these are two covenants, indeed, one from Mount Sinai begetting unto slavery. Now that's the law of Moses, which is Hagar. And Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She now corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. Who is our mother? Mount Sinai. Notice the Holy Spirit here through Paul's pen inserts the fact that Mount Sinai was in Arabia. I've seen that place. It's a desert. It's awful. Living there, just, it's just the, the living conditions, it's just, you just can't do it. It's a desert. When you look at the account in Exodus when the law was given, it was nothing but a threat of death. Touch the mountain, you'll die. Let a goat or a mule or a donkey, whatever, let anything touch the mountain, it's going to die except for Moses. Dark cloud surrounded the thing, lightning and thunder like the day of judgment. Mean things coming from Mount Sinai out in the desert. The whole thing was barren and awful, threatening, intimidating. That's the law. You will, you will, you will, you will not, you will not, you will not, or you will die. Death, death, death. That's the promise of the law. That's the promise of Jerusalem that existed when Paul wrote to the Galatians. The temple was there. These Judaizers who had come in the footsteps of Paul to try to undo the work of Paul to the churches in Galatia were, were representing the temple, the works, the law, Moses. They weren't representing Jesus. 
grace, life, freedom. Theirs was the threat of death and bondage. So here are the two covenants. One is maintained in the Jerusalem that existed in Paul's day here. Enslaved with all who are produced by the law of Moses, who come out of the law of Moses, they are all enslaved. That's the first covenant. It's the covenant of death. We know from reading the, the law and from reading the Bible entirely that the law is a cruel taskmaster. And you, you offend in just one little part of the law, then you're guilty of all of it and death is the penalty. Nobody except for the Lord Christ can live life obedient to the law. That is the most that is the most ridiculous of self-delusions that someone can live his life as a good person, never sin. Well, good gracious. That's, a, that's just deluding yourself and not speaking truth to yourself. You know, and I've said it before, but the first time that you want something that somebody else has, you've broken the law. The first time, it doesn't matter how young you were that you've disobeyed your parents. You've broken the law. We could go on and on with that. Guilty, death, bondage. Can't work your way out of it. But there is another Jerusalem. You see the letter to the Hebrews has a beautiful contrast between the heavenly Jerusalem and the earthly Jerusalem. The earthly Jerusalem is just a type to show you the perfection of God and how bad you are. The law can't save you. It can only reveal your sin. That's all it can do. That's all it's designed to do. But then in Hebrews 12, but you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem where Christ is now, the, the, the Christ of God who Hebrews says is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is the king of righteousness and the king of peace and he pleads our case. He, Christ, is our high priest. He's also the sacrifice that's been made in our behalf. And he's the one who offered the sacrifice. He's, he offered himself. He made the sacrifice. He paid the penalty. He set us free, washed us in the blood of the Lamb and we're free and we're clean, covered in the righteousness of Christ. We have no righteousness of our own. To claim that is to live in slavery, working all of your life thinking that you're going to do something finally that will impress God. It's impossible. When God looks at us, He must see Christ in us. He must see Christ's righteousness covering us which is imputed by faith, thus bringing to our lives justification. If, if, it's, if that's not seen, then we're under death. We're under a death penalty. We're in our own righteousness. And the Bible says there's none who does righteousness, who accomplishes righteousness. No, not one. Not a single one. 
So there are two covenants. You're either under one or under the other. There's no in-between there. You can't be in both covenants. It's impossible. So you're either in the covenant and actually, frankly, and strictly, the old covenant was meant for the nation of Israel. So, you, I mean, you have, to, you have to be an Israelite before that can be applicable to your life. You're either under the old covenant of works and that'll, that'll kill you. That's death. You will spend your life in bondage and you'll die eternally or you're under the new covenant the old covenant or the new covenant the one of works or the one of faith the one of bondage or the one of freedom the one of the law or the one of grace which is it which Jerusalem do you live in where is your citizenship but the Jerusalem above is free, who is our mother. This beautiful passage, you know, in Hebrews 12, when he says to the believer, but you have come to the new Jerusalem, the city of the living God. And he goes on and he says, you've, you've, you've come to the place where God's people, to the registry of God's people. You're, there's a book that has, the, the, the one who writes in that book has no eraser. Forever written in the Lamb's book of life. However, now that Jerusalem never dies, but the old Jerusalem was defeated by the Romans in 70 AD. And the registry of the Jewish bloodlines was destroyed. It's not there. But the book of life will never be destroyed. This is where... I have my citizenship in Christ because of Christ. So this illustration, the two covenants and the two Jerusalems, and then the two lineages. For it has been written, rejoice, O barren woman, the one not bearing. Break forth and call aloud, the one not travailing, because many more are the children of the desolate woman than of her having the husband. Now this was written by Isaiah to the Jews who were enslaved in Babylon. They stopped singing. The Jews had been known for their beautiful music and singing and happiness. The Bible says they had, they hanged their harps on trees. They refused to sing. They were barren. They were not in their land. Isaiah sends them this message. Rejoice! It's going to happen. The one not bearing, break forth, call out. The one who is not in labor, shout out. Because even though you are the desolate woman, many more are the children of the desolate woman than of the one having the husband, the Babylonians, those who lived there. Now he continues here. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. But just as that time, the one having been born according to the flesh was persecuting the one according to spirit. So it now is also. So the Judaizers are persecuting the Galatians who have been saved by grace. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the only gospel. There's only one gospel. There are not two gospels. 
There's only one saved by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. That's it. Christ takes care of everything. He takes care of my faith. He gives it to me as a gift. He seals me to the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit in my life. My body becomes the temple of the Lord and I begin to grow. Milk at first, but as I mature and I'm nurtured in the word, I grow and I grow in my faith and in the sanctification that was written in my salvation, according to Ephesians chapter 2. Christ does all of this for me. And then he lives his life through me. Through certain spiritual gifts and spiritual resources, Christ works through me. And it's just part of who I am, having been born again. And I don't even realize that I'm doing the works of Christ because it is so free and natural because I've been born again. So we're like Isaac. We're the children of promise. We're the children of freedom. We're the promised children of God. Yes, those who are born according to the flesh will always hate those who are born of the Spirit. It's just that way. It's always been that way. All the way through the Bible, the elect of God have been persecuted and pursued by those who are in the world seeking to destroy us, to destroy the Word of God, to destroy whatever we try to do and seek to do, and to destroy the integrity of our Christ, our Savior. All the way, all the time. It's always been that way. And it's that way today. People hate Christians. They hate Christian t-shirts. They hate the Bible. They hate us so much that, listen, if you want to, I'm just going to say it. And Understand this. You can get mad at a, at a governor or a president or a senator or a judge, and I do sometimes so bad I could spit. But what good is that going to do? We're told we're in a spiritual battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual powers. Oh, there's a war going on. Trying to divide us, to take away our freedom and to frustrate us. That's the way it is. That's the way it is now. Such that, and if, well, I'll tell you what, if, if I was, and I thank God I'm not, but if I was some sort of political leader, I'd walk carefully in these times. Because in some states especially, the condemnation comes down on the churches, but not on the lawless. Because it's a spiritual battle. Satan is working through anybody through whom he can work to shut up the gospel, to keep the churches closed. I call it spiritual jujitsu. God takes what is supposed to be bad and makes good out of it. I think in these days the church is being purged and cleansed. If they ever tell us that the last little piece of snot that has COVID in it will die. 
if that time ever comes, the church will be different. It'll look different. Thank God there's people we're doing it streaming all over the place. We get comments from everywhere all the time about it. You just can't, okay. I heard a guy say once, you know what's wrong with the church today? We're not being fed to the lions anymore. Because for every group of Christians who were fed to the lions in the arenas, Christianity grew by leaps and bounds. God can even take times like this, even though it may seem that certain administrators of the world are against us. And the first thing they think of is to shut the churches down. There is a God in heaven who sets up kings and kingdoms. And it is God who calls his elect to himself. So that won't ever be deterred. It will be by the will and power of God that his work goes on. Do you know why? Because we're free. We are free in Christ. And even if we were in jail cells, no one can take that freedom from us. Because we're citizens of the New Jerusalem. It happens. The one born of the flesh always persecutes the one. The harshest attacks from within Christendom where, you know, where, where, where Christian, the worst people to kill their wounded are Christians, you know, so-called. The worst attacks that I've seen through the years from within so-called Christianity have been attacks on the word of God. I'm not talking about from the world. I'm talking about from within the so-called church. And especially the, the attack on the simple, beautiful truth of the one gospel that there is no other. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. I've heard them say, man, that's awfully cheap salvation. I said, no, you got it wrong, man. It's free. It ain't cheap. It's very free to the one who has it. Very costly to the one who gives it. So simple to the one who possesses it. But oh, how complicated to the one who gave it who works in all of the universe and in all of space and time, that on a particular day, according to his eternal book, by his grace, he saved me. Man, I was a 10-year-old boy. Who else in the world cared about a little 10-year-old boy in a small church on a particular day but God. When my oldest brother passed away, one of the preachers who preached his funeral was Dr. Herman Cobb. Dr. Cobb, I'll never will forget, said, you know, God attends the funeral of every sparrow that falls. 
if he, if he cares for the sparrow, the least of the birds, how much more does he care for me? He has set me free. The new covenant sent his son. So we're born of the spirit. It's okay. They're going to persecute us. They hate the gospel of grace, the freedom that is in Christ, even in the church. They want to add something to it. You have to do something yourself. It's always been that way. But what says the scripture? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman will not inherit along with the son of the free. Ishmael did not have the covenant. Isaac did. The son of works has nothing. The son of grace, the son of miracle birth, the son of promise has everything. So then, brothers, we're not children of the slave woman. We're children of the free woman. Set free in Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? It is so painful to have to adjust the ways that we do things. We don't have our meet and greet in these present days where people shake hands and embrace one another, loving each other in Christ. We don't pass the offering plate. We put baskets here and plates out in the foyer and a drop box. Because these days, they say it's not right to pass the plate from one hand to another. And we even adjust the way that we do the invitation, but we still extend the invitation. And I always say this every Sunday at this time. There are three things that are necessary in every life. Number one. You must be saved by faith in Christ. Salvation. Number two, you should be obedient to Christ to be baptized as a statement to the world that there is a newness of life. It's part of the Great Commission. And number three, you should belong to a local body of believers where we can strengthen one another, encourage one another, love one another, help one another, teach one another, learn from one another. Those three things. If any one or two or three of those things, all three are missing in your life and God has planted in your heart that you have this need or these needs, then as you exit this sanctuary, when you go out the door, there are two rooms where deacons and their wives are waiting to help you. And whatever of those one, two, or three things you need to take care of in your life. That's how we do the invitation. We, we leave and then on your way out, just step into one of the rooms. And they're ready to talk with you, to help you, encourage you, pray with you. 
Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for bringing us together today. The beauty of these little children offering up the time of worship and the beauty of your salvation that is by grace. Father, bless us and help us to proclaim this gospel of Christ until there is no more time. I pray, God, that you'll keep us from sickness, from the dreaded illness. I pray, God, that you will soon deliver the world from the threat and harm of this plague. And I pray most of all, Lord, that the time has come when you will just catch us up and take us out of this world and bring us into your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.